Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, as I was getting ready to preach today, as I walked in today, I, I see this at the, where my wife is sitting. And I don't know if like another wife is letting her borrow it for something to this week, or if I just get to do, I get to play uh, chip games all week on like a bathroom at my house or something. But, but, but this morning I was sitting there thinking about it as we were singing, I, I was thinking about this morning how John the Baptist, the, the message we're hearing today and, and the message from scripture is all about the message of repentance. And while we were sitting there singing together, I was thinking a lot of times when we hear messages about repentance, uh, we think of a pastor looking a lot like a guy holding a sledgehammer, like, like we're about to get in. And let me just say that in some ways, that's not a bad thing. We should think about the seriousness of our sin and the coming wrath of God. But, but this morning, I want us to also think about repentance as an, an invitation from John the Baptist, and, and more than that, an, an invitation from Jesus to, to come to me. Like, like we heard a minute ago in the song, Jesus Paid It All, that we would hear this small voice, this gentle voice of Jesus saying, child of weakness, watch and pray. Come, come find in me thine all in all. That, that that's the invitation for repentance this morning. As we listen to God's word, listen to the, these words from John chapter three. It's, it says in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetriarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, tetriarch of the region of Ateria and Trechondonis and Licinius, tetriarch of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas. And Caiaphas, the word of God, came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, but be content with your wages. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask today 
that you would help our hearts to repent. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would see what, it, what grace is found in repentance. Lord, that your word, even in the book of Acts, would call it the gift of repentance. That people would be granted this gift of repentance. That when they repent, a time of refreshing might be experienced in their soul. And so, Lord, we ask that for everyone today, for, for every sinner, for every saint, for everyone in this room, Lord, that, that we would repent, that we would find it a, a gift of turning from our sins, turning from our idols, and finding rest in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, when a special guest comes to visit your home, oftentimes preparations must be made. Preparations must be made. If you were to see our home before a visitor comes, it looks like a madhouse. Let's just say that it gets really frantic really quickly. We got to get prepared. We, we got to start vacuuming. We're washing and wiping. We're sweep, sweeping and a swiffering. We're doing everything you can to our house. And not to mention, some things have to go. Stuff gets thrown away. We're throwing away bags of trash and bags of things. Even the last minutes, it seems like things are getting redecorated and rearranged in our home before a visitor comes. A couple weeks ago, a a good friend of mine, a college friend, dropped in to see us. He was passing through Bowling Green, and, and we threw in some frozen tacos and tried to warm up some cheese dip as he came in. Let's just say we were a little un, underprepared for his visit. Well, we open God's Word today, and we find the prophet John the Baptist preparing the way. P preparations are being made. See, Luke places John the Baptist during the time of some of the greatest rulers, the greatest authorities. He, he's preaching during the reign of Tiberius Caesar, the one who reigned over the great Roman Empire. He's preaching during the rule of Pontius Pilate, who was given authority over all of Judea. He, he's preaching under the shadow of Herod, the, the son of Herod the Great. The years AD 21, it's really the, the climax of all of history. That's when John the Baptist, that's the place where he is preaching and preparing the way. But, but what I want us to see is John the Baptist is not preparing the way for Herod to rule. He's not making room for Pilate to come and reign. He's not even rolling out the red carpet for Caesar to come to town. This is much bigger because he is preparing the way for King Jesus. John the Baptist, this voice in the wilderness, this prophet is coming to prepare the way for Jesus. He's preparing the way for the king of kings that was going to make the Roman Empire look like a treehouse club. The, the king who reigns over the whole universe who has authority over every nation, tribe, and tongue, everything that has breath that should praise the Lord. Luke and the other Gospels, they, they use the prophet Isaiah's words to describe the, 
John's preparation ministry. Listen to what they say. This is Luke. I mean, this is Isaiah 40. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight. And the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Do you capture the the imagery there of John the Baptist's ministry? This prophet who's preparing the way for the Christ. He says, all valleys shall be lifted up, raised up, and and all mountains shall be made low. He's talking about everything. Everywhere you look should be a plain. Every crooked path should be straight. And and he's making a picture that all hindrances should be removed, taking away any distractions, anything that could keep us from seeing the Messiah. Anything that could keep us from seeing the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus the Christ. See, the truth is, if we're going to make room for King Jesus, then some things have to go. If we're going to prepare the way for King Jesus to reign over us, our lives are going to have to get rearranged. We must take away any distractions, remove all hindrances, anything in our lives that could keep us from seeing Jesus. Listen, brothers and sisters, if Jesus is going to be king, not just over the whole universe, if Jesus is going to be king over your heart, then things are going to have to change. That's the heart of John the Baptist's ministry right there. And and the Bible word for this this idea of change, this reorientation of your heart is a word called repentance. Repentance. It's when a person reorients their heart away from sin and reorients, recenters their heart around the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul Washer says this, If you don't have a new relationship with sin, you don't have a new relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how it works. If you don't have a new relationship with sin, you don't have a new relationship with Jesus. Coming to Jesus means that you've left your sin. You've left your past in the past. The only way to make room for the reign of Jesus, for King Jesus in you, is through real repentance. And so my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would teach us about real repentance and that we would desire it with all our hearts. As the Bible calls it, the gift of repentance. The first thing I think we see from John's ministry, from God's word this morning, is that real repentance brings real forgiveness. Luke says when John the Baptist began to preach, there's one message that was on repeat. All the Gospels agree with this. They're clear. There wasn't anything lost in translation. Nothing lost in communication. His message was one of repentance. It was about repenting for the kingdom of God was at hand. 
If you were to walk down to the banks of the Jordan River, you would have heard a voice crying out with all of Judea, all of the cities going out to the wilderness to hear this man. Think about that. And his voice would have said something like this. The Messiah is coming. The, the king is coming, and he's coming to usher in his kingdom. And if he's going to truly rule over you, you must repent. Sin can't rule in your heart and Jesus Christ rule in your heart. Both can't happen at the same time. Luke summarizes John's ministry in verse 3 that when he went into all the region around Jordan, it says this, that he was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist was calling people to come to the waters, but it was so much more than washing your body in the water, but it was about a renewal of the heart. It's not a religious ritual for people to go through the water, to simply go through the motions. No, it's not something you do when you're a little kid, but your life never looks different. No, the symbol of baptism is an outward sign of an inward change, a radical change of the heart that's marked by a life of repentance. There's two reasons, though, this morning that repentance is really, really hard for any of us. Two reasons that, that repentance is really hard for everybody here. And one reason is, let's just be honest, we really love our sin. That's one reason it's hard to repent. We really love our sin. We believe that our sin is better than Jesus. We've given our hearts over to our sin. We believe with all our hearts that our sin can satisfy us. We've given our hearts over to idols, clinging to and worshiping and bowing down idols in our hearts. So, so think about it. Letting go of what has had your heart for the most of your life, the, the drugs, the, the worship of yourself, the, the money, the porn, the control, the, the performance, self-righteousness, the reputation, the relationship you're in. Letting go is not going to be easy. Repentance is going to be hard if we think that our sin is better than Jesus. But another reason repentance is really, really hard is because we believe that our sin is bigger than Jesus. Like when we look at our lives and we, we see what we've done and we see what we haven't done and we've seen the things that we've said and we know the things that we've thought and we know the motives of our heart and we know that the Bible says that Jesus is the one that searches mind and heart, that he sees all of it. It's, it's hard for our hearts to believe that he would ever forgive us. It's hard to believe that a holy God could forgive Sin. I mean, if we really see sin for what it truly is, rebellion against the king, then it only makes sense that we see that we're worthy of this king's wrath. So if you're anything like me, sometimes your, your guilt seems too great. Your shame seems too heavy. Your, your sin seems un. Forgivable. I remember when I came to faith in Christ when I was 16 years old. And I remember this overwhelming sense of 
Surely, Lord, you could never forgive this. Surely you can never forgive my sin. Why me? Why would you forgive me? But the good news that you must believe this morning is that Jesus is better than your sin and Jesus is bigger than your sin. Jesus is better and bigger than all your sins. Brothers and sisters, the gift of repentance is that real repentance brings real forgiveness. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, real repentance brings real forgiveness. When we're broken over our sin and we run from our sin and run to Jesus, you don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to wonder what's waiting for you if you truly repent, if you truly turn from your sins and turn to Jesus to see what's waiting for you. We don't put in an application for forgiveness and then wait to hear back if it's accepted or denied by Jesus. No real repentance. The Bible promises you will receive real forgiveness for all your sins. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. The people are cut to their heart, and, and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. We heard Pastor Kyle sit, read it earlier from 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, listen, brothers and sisters, listen to me if you're if you're here today, listen to what I'm saying. If you confess your sins, the Bible promises that God is faithful and just to forgive us, to forgive you of your sins, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I was talking to a guy the other day and asking him if he had put his faith in Jesus, talking about the gospel. And he says, you know what? Sometimes I just get in the shower, and I like to confess my sins and cry out to God and feel the sense of God cleansing me from all my unrighteousness. Maybe that's something we can even sense this morning, that if we confess our sins as we listen to the rain on this roof, that God would love to pour out His grace and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive us. The message is clear. If you repent and believe in Jesus today, you will receive forgiveness. This good news for the, the greatest of sins, for anyone, even if you feel like your, your guilt is too great, even if you feel like your shame is too heavy, if your sin seems un forgivable. If that's you this morning, if you would repent right now, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, you will be forgiven right now. No questions asked. It's the grace that is found in Jesus Christ from those who run from their sin and rest in Jesus. But there's a, a warning with this promise that a warning is this, it Fake repentance might bring a false sense of forgiveness. And what I mean by fake repentance is repentance that never plans on ever leaving your sin. Fake repentance that wants to receive the forgiveness of sins without forsaking your sin. 
fake and phony repentance that wants the benefits of the kingdom without Jesus ever having to be king over us. We see it happen all the time in the church, and I think that's what what drives John the Baptist and the rest of his message. The, the, The Bible teaches us next that real repentance bears real fruit. This is naturally where this message of repentance goes next. If you truly repent, you will be forgiven. But if it's fake and phony repentance, don't fool yourself with false assurance. Don't fool yourself that you're forgiven if you'll never forsake your sin. And this is what was happening to the crowds coming out to hear John the Baptist in the wilderness. They they wanted to come to be baptized. They were wanting to go through the motions. They wanted to take care of that. You know, so they could say the rest of their life, you know, I was, I was baptized. I, I did that when I was little. Out by, the, out by the Jordan, by John the Baptist. Y'all might have remembered that. That's, yeah, I did that back then. I took care of that. You might hear that language all the time from people. Yeah, I, I was baptized by that guy in Logan County. My life doesn't look the same. John the Baptist sees straight through this phoniness, this fakeness. His words couldn't be any harsher, any clearer. He says, you brood of vipers, you sons of of snakes. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? John the Baptist is saying to the crowds there, and I pray the Holy Spirit makes it just as clear today. He's saying this, the wrath of God is is coming and repentance is required for everyone no matter if you're a pharisee or a priest or a tax collector or a pastor's kid or a deacon or a community group leader or a nice guy or a campus minister or you grew up in church without real repentance there is a real hell Without real repentance, there is the real wrath of God that's coming for those who will not let go of their sin. See, there was a a real temptation for the Jews. A temptation for them to believe, you know, wrath is coming for everybody else. All those pagans, all those other nations, wrath is coming for them, but, but not for the children of Abraham. I mean, we're the chosen people of God. We're the apple of his eye, the Bible says. John says, don't be fooled. God is able to make these stones rise up to be children of Abraham. There's a play on words there in the original language where the same word for stones is the same or a similar word to children. So he doesn't need the the children of Abraham. He can raise up new born-again people who repent and cling to him. But maybe we can be tempted to do the same thing in our hearts. Maybe we can think God is coming, God's wrath is coming for everybody else. For all those other people. But not those who go to church. I mean, we're in the rain we came today. I mean, we're we're at Christ's fellowship, but not, not for those who grow up in a Christian family. 
we're from America, right? And sometimes that's, that's our hearts. But listen, the only thing that marks the real people of God is real repentance. When there's no running, there's, when there's no repentance and no running to Jesus and resting in Jesus, you should have no hope of ever escaping the wrath of God. I don't know how, how to be any clearer than that. only thing that marks the real people of God is real repentance. John the Baptist says to the crowds, the, the Holy Spirit says to us this morning, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He's saying true repentance will have a noticeable effect. That there will be observable changes in your life. You'll bear outward fruit as evidence that something has really happened in my rebellious heart. A man once approached Pastor Mark Dever, and he, he wanted to celebrate. He wanted to tell him, hey, I got saved. And Pastor Mark's response to him was, yeah, we'll see. He was... That sounds really hateful, doesn't it? Maybe to some of us. But he, he wasn't being hateful. He was speaking the truth because real repentance will have noticeable change in one's life. It will bear real and lasting fruit for the glory of God. In Thomas Watson's great work, The Doctrine of Repentance, he says this, Repentance is a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. Both inwardly humbled, something happened in my heart, and visibly reformed, something happened that you can see. Maybe you've never read Martin Luther's 95 Theses. Maybe you've never heard of Martin Luther's 95 Theses. This was the actual document that was nailed on the church at Wittenberg that this document that exposed the empty practices of the Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s that sparked the Protestant Reformation. Well, do you know what the first of the 95 Theses was? This is how that document began. It says, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. He said when Jesus said, repent, he didn't, he meant our whole lives to be lives, lives lived, filled with repentance. See, repentance is not something Christians have done. Repentance is something Christians do. That's important. Christian Repentance is not something that we have done, not something that I took care of it when I was baptized when I was 10, not something that happened at VBS when I was little. No, repentance is something I do. It marks me as a believer. Christians are not people who never sin. I don't want you to get that, that idea. We're not people who never sin. We're people who are always repenting. People who always repent. We walk in repentance. 
Repentance is the entire life of believers, the rhythm of our lives where we continually turn from sin and turn to Jesus in faith again and again and again. Repentance should be the rhythm of your life. Where you bear fruit that's noticeable for people to see. Let me ask it this way. If, If you were tried today in the court of law for being a Christian, what evidence of repentance would they use against you? If you were brought into the court of law and they were going to try you for being a Christian and lock you up for following Jesus, what evidence would they use to show your repentance? To show that you love Jesus. Real repentance bears real fruit. And finally, John the Baptist teaches us that real repentance leaves behind real sin. Real repentance leaves behind real sins. After preaching on the coming wrath of God and the call to repentance, the crowds cry out to John the Baptist. They've heard this this message and they say, what shall we do? I mean, tell us, John, please tell us what repentance looks like in our own lives. Sounds a lot like the crowds in Acts 2 that cry out to Peter when when the Bible says they were cut to the heart. They cry out, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter's first word is, you repent. You repent. Notice John the Baptist calls these people to real repentance for their real sins. First, he turns to the whole crowd, and he tells all the crowd, he tells them, hey, if you have two tunics, you need to give up one of those and give them to another. If you have food, you need to be generous and give it to others. And I think John the Baptist tells the whole crowd this is because he knows that every single one of us is prone to selfishness. We're all prone to think of ourselves first. He he knew that everybody in the crowd probably looked out to their own interests instead of the interest of others. And so he just says, blanket statement, hey, you need to be generous. You need to Give. So, so real repentance for every single Christian here today should show up as more and more and more selflessness in your life. More and more selflessness. Real repentance is a losing of oneself, a dying to oneself, of crucifying your passions, your desires, your wants for the glory of God. And the good of others. And John the Baptist says that's for everybody. The Holy Spirit says today that's for every one of us today. But then John the Baptist gets really specific about some real specific sins of specific people. He he says the tax collectors come and they say, what about us? What shall we do? And John the Baptist says, collect no more than you're authorized. Quit taking advantage of people. And the soldiers come and they say, well, then what about us? What should we do? He says, don't extort money from people. Quit being abusive with your power. Instead, be content with what God has given you. Be content with your pay. See, when God calls us to repent, he calls us to repent for our sins. 
for our real sins that, that are going on in our hearts. He, he's not calling you to repent from generic sins. A lot of times that might be our prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Just in general, very vague, very elusive. I prayed it my whole life. Do I really mean it? Lord, forgive me where I failed you, Lord. Those are words that are so easy to come off the tongue, but are they coming out of our hearts? No, we need real repentance of our real sins. We're crying out to God things like, Lord, I've looked and I've lusted today by, by clicking on images that do not honor you. I'm, I'm specific about my sin that I've sinned against God. Lord, I've gossiped about other sisters in Christ and I found enjoyment in this, and I've sought to hurt their reputation. Lord, Lord, I've been full of pride. I'm always looking for what I want. I've only been living for myself, and, and that shows up when I'm easily bothered and easily interrupted by other people and frustrated with them. And that shows up in how I've neglected my wife. Lord, I've tried to find refuge in this relationship. I've, I've tried to find peace in this pipe or in this pill. Lord, I've tried to find joy in this job instead of in you. And it's foolishness, God. Lord, I repent of this specific sin. This sin that I've coveted and treasured more than Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your heart, shine a flashlight in your heart right now to show you where have you sinned against God? Where is God calling you to repent of your Sin, what is the sin right now that King Jesus is calling you to leave behind to come and follow him? What is the sin or idol that you are loving, that you are clinging to, treasuring more than Jesus? You know, Pastor Jack Miller, he, he used to invite other Christians to regularly and honestly walk in repentance with him. It's a practice he was known for. He would talk about welcoming brothers with him to the foot of the cross, the, the place where real repentance found real forgiveness for their sins. Where it was a practice. Let's come together, brothers. Let's come together to the foot of the cross. And he would ask questions like this. He would ask questions like this. Listen how good this question is and ask yourself this question. What have you started doing or stopped doing because you love Jesus Christ? I mean, look at your life. What have you started doing or stopped doing because you love Jesus Christ? He used to, to walk in light with his brothers asking questions like this. Where have, what have you repented of recently? And sadly, he says, he discovered most Christians 
had stopped repenting after their conversion. So I want to ask us as we close this morning, is, is that you? Are you someone that's stopped repenting instead of repenting being the rhythm of your life as you run from sin and run to Jesus again and again and again? I, I want to invite you this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to invite you to real repentance. That the book of Acts calls the gift of repentance. Real repentance that offers you this morning real forgiveness. Real repentance that bears real fruit. Real repentance that leaves behind your sins. But the best part of repentance, listen brothers and sisters, is not what you're leaving behind. Real repentance is what you're gaining when you turn from your sin and look towards Jesus Christ. Because real repentance is a heart making room. It's a heart preparing the way. It's a heart rolling out the red carpet and rearranging everything for King Jesus to reign in your heart. Real repentance is running from my sin that could never, ever satisfy me and running to a king, a king who would come not to reign on a throne, but a king who would come to die as a criminal on a cross and who three days later would rise again, not only to save me from my sins, but to satisfy me in himself forever. That's the good news. That's the, the invitation of repentance this morning. It's the realization, it's the resting in that Jesus is better than all my sin and Jesus is bigger than all my sin. So, so I pray this morning that you would hear the voice of John the Baptist on the banks of the Jordan. More than that, that you would hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, repent, turn from your sin." And find hope in a king, King Jesus, who will save you and satisfy you forever. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would grant the gift of repentance to us. That you would make dead hearts come alive that we might run from our sin and run to Jesus. That those who do not know Jesus, maybe they came here today not a Christian, Lord, that you would do a work in their hearts, that you would expose the ugliness, the foolishness, the worthlessness of their sin that can never satisfy them, and that they would run from their sin, and they would run to Jesus even right now. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, who wouldn't come just to sit on a throne, but who would go to a cross to save them and satisfy them forever. Lord, I pray for those this morning that would say they're a Christian, that would call themselves a Christian, but who quit repenting a long, long time ago. whose life is not marked by repentance. Lord, who has been missing out 
from turning from their sin and turning to Jesus again and again and again. And, and Lord, finding all their rest and right, finding all their hope in a king who loves them and would give himself for them. So, Lord, I pray for every listening heart this morning, whether they're 9 or 90, whether they grew up in church their whole lives, or whether, Lord, this is maybe the first time they've stepped foot in a church. Lord, I pray that you would grant us the gift of repentance, that we would see repentance not as a harsh word from a prophet by a river, but, Lord, we would find it as a a gracious invitation from the King of Kings to come and follow him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.